Morning. This morning we're reading from a very well-known and special passage, Isaiah 9, verse um, 1 to 9. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Of those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For it, as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. And then the threshold of it, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish, accomplish this, Israel. The Lord has sent a message against Jacob. It will fall on Israel. All the people will know it, Ephraim and the inhabitants of Samaria, who say with pride and arrogance of heart. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judah, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary. He was pledged to be married to him, and was suspecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and glory shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a saviour is born, has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to, to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see the things that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. 
But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Brilliant. Thank you, you too. Quirinius as well, Grace. Thank you. Well done. Good morning. Um, one thing I've missed out this year, even though we've got young children, is a nativity. Can you help me by telling me, uh, if I was to go and see a nativity, or if you've been part of a nativity this year already, uh, who are some of the characters that I would meet or see or listen from in a nativity? Who would be in it? I'm not talking about the film. Okay, there is a picture of the film up here, but I'm not talking about the film, the nativity. Who would I see and meet in any nativity in any school? Come on, help me out. Who would I meet? Don't make me go to the adults. Who? I would see Mary. With a deep, no, not with a deep voice. Who else would I see? Shepherd, Mary, Joseph. Joseph, hopefully he'd be there. Who else would be there? Connie? There's a prompt. The innkeeper. Any animals? Donkey. Donkey. Would he be Scottish? We don't know. That's Shrek. You would see lots and lots of people. Who would you see? <coughs> the innkeepers as well? Yeah. Last one. Bertie, sir. The baby Jesus, glad that he finally made it. Maybe someone dressed as a star as well. The nativity is so, so important. It's central to this time of year. It's the reason that we're gathering here this morning. Because in the nativity, you meet a cast of characters, people who were actually there in the first century, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus actually was born, claims the Bible. Everybody has a role to play in the nativity. Everybody also has a role to play in whatever home you're part of. Here's a home. Here's a family Christmas at Buck Palace, maybe Sandringham. Is there anyone you can recognise in that picture of that family on the left-hand side? Who's there? It's not Mary. It's not a king of the future. Who is it? The queen or someone who looks like the queen. Who else is there? Can you recognise anyone else in this funny picture? Is there a king there or a future king? William's there. Anyone else? Georgie? Georgie's there. Future king. When it comes to the nativity, when it comes to the house in our homes, everybody's got a role to play. For example, in your home there will be maybe not a king, maybe not a queen, maybe not a baby even, but there will be a tired chef. There's always a tired chef when it comes to, kinks, uh, to Christmas time. There will be an uncle or an auntie or someone, probably, if you have a big family gathering that you've not met till last Christmas, yeah? There's always someone you think, I'm related to you somehow, just remind me. Um, there's always someone who's nervous and hoping for a certain present. Normally they're about three feet tall and they're waiting for the gift that Amazon say you should have that year. And then there's the anxious present. Have I got enough? The anxious parent. Have I got enough presents for my son, for my daughter, for my loved one? Christmas, everyone's got a role to play. Whether it's the nativity, whether it's in your home, we've all got a role to play. And Christmas is a great time because it's a time for presents. It's a time where you can give joy wrapped up from Argos, from Amazon, from Wilco, from Waitrose, from wherever you go and shop. You can give joy to another person. Their face can light up. Their hearts can say yes, but it doesn't always work like that. These are great pictures that I just wanted to find a slide to use, but it's, it's what Christmas is about. You give that present that you think will work and it doesn't, and so maybe you'll see a face like that in your home at Christmas. Maybe there'll be a lady in your life who looks like that at Christmas. Maybe there'll be a, a son or a grandson who looks like that saying, 
why do you think this would be a good idea for you to make this for me? Do you really think I'd fit in that? Why do you think this was a good idea? Why do you think I deserve that? Is that all you could afford? Is that the best you could do? Christmas presents are great to receive when they're the right present. But when they don't, they can shatter our dreams really quickly. They can bring joy. They can sure bring a lot of sadness in our homes. And it's not just our homes where there's sadness aplenty. Here are some photos just from this year. That's maybe a picture of the playground. That's maybe somewhere up in London. I won't talk about where that is. And that's also somewhere up in the city of London as well. It's a, you don't have to tell me, but I can tell you how much of a year of busyness it's been, how much of a year of division it's been. We can look out into the country of which we're a part. We can look out into the world of which we're one small country and we can see there's so much division on every side. You can choose how to make the division, whether it's who you voted for or where you live, how much you earn or how much you don't earn, what you believe or what you say you don't believe. There's division absolutely everywhere. And it's very, very easy at Christmas time to think the problem is out there. Wouldn't it be great if we had world peace? Wouldn't it be great if this line in Wilco was just a bit shorter so I could get what I wanted as soon as I could get it and get home so I can relax again? There is division everywhere out there. But here's the thing. If you read the Twitter feed or the tabloids, the problem is not out there. The problem is in here. The problem is in our hearts. The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart, someone said. That all the reason for all the problems in the world, well, actually, I'm right at the center of that. We can look at these pictures and think there is division all across the world. The problem is out there, but actually the problem is in here. And so we can ruin Christmas by buying the wrong gift. We can ruin the Christmas meal and change the temperature in our homes just by saying the wrong thing to the wrong person. Sadness often comes from in here as it comes out of my lips with the words that I choose to use and my actions. And it's not just Christmas Day that I can ruin. It's not just a smile that I can turn upside down into a frown. It's not just horizontal. The Bible says, actually, we're rule breakers and we're rule makers. We don't just ruin relationships. We've ruined our relationship with the one who loved us so much that he spoke the world into being and he made us and he still gives us life today. There's division and brokenness horizontally. There's division and brokenness vertically, if you want to use that spatial language. And so God, if he gave us what we deserved, should send us far away from him. He should give us justice that we deserve for all our rule breaking and turning our back on him. He should cross his arms at us. He should say, no, go away, shove off, I'm in charge. But he doesn't do that. I wonder what you think God is like. The Bible describes him as a waterfall, as a fountain. God is a giver of life and joy. He's the source of life and the source of joy. And although we deserve him to fold his arms at us, to say, shove off to us, to turn his back on us, the great news of Christmas is that God does not give us what we deserve. And he does not give us what we earn. He's given us the greatest gift because he's the source of life and it's a source of joy. But more about that later on. This reading is from Matthew 2, verse 1 to 12. 
After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born, King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod came, called the Magi secretly, and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Please do have your seats. I wonder if you can cast your mind back with me to the best gift you've ever received. What was the best gift you ever received so that it just blew your socks off if you were wearing socks? Anyone want to share? It was so generous, it was so thoughtful, it was so small, it was so large. Has anyone received an amazing gift? Come on, Pad not just Paddington, Paddington and Ice. Take your coats. Anything else? Bertie, sir. A what? A cat. A calculator. Maybe a cat next year. Keep working. Yes. Sam. Aladdin stage show. So tickets for stuff. Chocolate orange. No chocolate in our house. One more. Come on, adults. Don't be shy. What's the Andrew, sir? Near Christmas, greatest gift. Um, I don't know whether it's from Amazon or I'm not. It's not product placement. I'm sorry, but this is an Amazon box again. There's been lots arriving at our house. They're all empty, I assure you. But uh, what's the greatest gift you've ever received? When you understand who the person of Jesus is and what Christians claim Christmas is all about, all those gifts, as great as they are, they're actually just a wee bit smaller. Especially when you remember how we've treated God. When we treated God. At our best moments, we say, we want stuff from you, but we turn our back from you. We're okay living our lives in our own strength and with our own resources. When we treat God like that, who's the giver of life and joy, he's not like Santa, he doesn't come once a year. He's a loving heavenly father who's also the fountain and source of everything we desire. But we look rather than at him as the source, we just enjoy the wrapping paper. There's a sentence I want to read to you. It's the most famous sentence in the whole Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. This one sentence describes the message of the whole Bible and it tells us about a lot about God and it tells us about the greatest gift you can ever receive. This is what it says. It says four things about the greatest gift. What does God give us at Christmas? It tells us about the gift of Jesus' life in that sentence. For God so loved the world that he gave. 
He gave us his son, is the claim of Christmas. Jesus spoke words of wisdom and kindness. His compassion was only matched by his care. His power was matched by his authority and his love. No one lived a life like Jesus. And when you look and read and hear about his life, you see life how we want it to be, and we see life how it should be, and we see life in part how it will be. When you look at the life of Jesus, you see something of God's great character that he gives us in his son, someone we never deserve, someone that we certainly can only aspire to live like. It's the gift of Jesus' life, but then secondarily, it's the gift of Jesus' death. What do I mean? Behind the crib of Christmas is the cross of Easter, says the gospel, the good news about Jesus. He lived a perfect life, but then the cross of the cross of Jesus shows that he died the death that we deserve. That's the claim of Christianity. How should God treat us when we say, shove off God, I'm in charge, no to your rules? God is loving, but he's also just. He's powerful, but he's also merciful. So God should treat us as our rebellious acts deserve. He should give us justice. But Christmas describes God giving us what we don't deserve. God giving us love and mercy in abundance. That sentence says, For God so loved the world that he gave, that anyone who believes in him should not perish but have everlasting, eternal life. This is the third thing. The gift of Jesus' life, the gift of Jesus' death, the gift of Jesus' resurrection. Big word. Christmas cannot be understood without Easter. And at Easter... God gave up his son Jesus, fully man, fully God. That blows your head, it should do, if you can understand it in part. But at Christmas, we should remember the gift of God, which is Jesus' resurrection. Three days after Jesus' death, God raised his son from the grave so that every time we shed a tear at a loved one whose life has ended, we recognize that is not how life should be and it's not how life will be that everyone who is a Christian can live now with a sure and certain hope that death is not to be feared, it's just like sleep to Jesus. And that this life is not all there is. There is a future that's going to be even better than this life now. It's the hope of the resurrection that because Jesus died and was raised to life again, everyone and anyone, regardless of age and stage of life, who places their trust in him, they will be raised to life again and enjoy heaven, the greatest gift of the future. That's what Jesus is, life and death and resurrection. But that's not the best part. Here's the best part. In Jesus, God gave us himself. We celebrated, I know I don't look old enough, we celebrated 20 years of marriage just this week. And 20 years ago, I said something like this. All I have, I give to you. All that I have, I share with you. All my student debt. All that stuff. All that I have, I share with you. All that I give, I want you to have that too. It's complete openness. It's complete honesty. It's transparency. Everything I am, I want to give to you, my wife, to Joe. The reality of Christmas is a huge claim. It's almost too big to believe, but it's true because the Bible tells us it's true. At Christmas and at Easter, because of the cross, Jesus is the gift of God from heaven to earth. God is promising to be with us. 
He's promising because he sent his son, Jesus, who is Emmanuel. God will be with us. And the future is secure. And that even now, we can know God personally in our hearts. He gives us himself, which is the greatest gift because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. God can say, here's the greatest gift you can ever receive. And you're not even looking for it. But every time you receive a gift with empty hands, that's exactly what you need to receive the greatest gift of Jesus. You need nothing. You need no good record. You come with all your mistakes and failures. You come as you are. And then you read this sentence again. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's what Christmas is about. That's what the future will reveal and show. And that's what this little book is about. If you've not got one of these, please take one. Please read it. If you've got any questions about Christianity, please come and chat to me or whoever came with you this morning. But we'd love for you not to go away empty-handed, but to take one of these books and to consider more about the claims of Christianity, that Christmas and Easter is about the greatest gift, and that's a person, and his name is Jesus.